Hello and welcome to my history section of my GCSE podcast. I'm your host Izzy Brown and today I'm going to be talking to you about crime and punishment from 1000 to 1500. Now I don't know how much I've gone through in previous episodes but this is quite a concise overview of it because I have a test tomorrow and I need I have one A4 sheet of paper with all of my notes on it so hopefully they are good notes but I will let you know how it goes. Okay so here are some key terms that you may or may not know already. Um, They're quite useful to know so I'm just going to go through them. So change. This is quite self-explanatory. You've got change and you've got continuity. So if you've got different laws and different people coming into power, you're going to have some sense of different changes and continuity in the laws, in the types of trials they use, in enforcement, all that kind of thing. The people, like the nationalities, the language, all of that. So it's constantly changing, but there's also some things that are going to stay the same. But they're not just, some laws, for example, might not just be one or the other. They might have bits intermingled between the two of them. So, for example, I watched this video earlier today. And it said, for example, say it was illegal to like the colour blue. And it was there were a bunch of other colour laws as well. You couldn't like the colour blue, you couldn't like the colour pink, and you couldn't like the colour green. Say in 1963, it became legal for you to like blue, but it was still illegal for you to like all of the other colours. This would be both change and continuity, because there's still the idea of there being a law against liking certain colours, but for the colour blue, you can like it now, so that is a change. And 1963, that would be the turning point. By the way, this isn't real. There's no laws, as far as I'm aware, about any colours not being allowed for you to like. (laughs) Okay, so the next one is crime against authority. Now, this is treason, uh, that would be betraying your lord, that kind of thing. Um, There'd also be crime against property. So this would be things like theft or arson or, you know, non-stealing, all of that kind of thing. Um, Also, crime against the person. So this might be um, uh, public... I can't actually think of any. Uh, murder, that's one. Uh, yeah, I'll let you think about that because off the top of my head I can't think of any. Um, okay, so there are three different types of enforcement and punishment. So you've got deterrent. So say that you punch somebody in the face. Okay, so if you punch somebody in the face and they punched you in the face, the justice system punched you in the face back. This would be retribution for your actions. So it would be basically the justice system taking it back on you, punishing you for what you've done, basically. And then if you go out in public and people see your bruises or whatever you get from being punched in the face, um, that would act as a deterrent for them. So they wouldn't want to punch anybody in the face. 
because they don't want to be punched in the face themselves by the justice system. Then you've also got rehabilitation. Now this would be seen in modern circumstances in, for example, um, community service. So this is, or like therapy, like court-appointed therapy. So this is to kind of um, make the person who did a crime a better person. So those are the three types of punishments, or not necessarily punishments, but, you know, what happens when you do a certain crime. Okay, so you've also got moral and social crimes. Now, these are kind of complete opposites, if you will. So moral crimes are things that aren't legal, but they feel like they should be. So, for example, they're they're immoral. Um, This could be, for example... Uh, I don't know, having sex outside of marriage. I know nowadays that isn't as um, immoral, or it isn't really immoral at all, but back then in history, in historical times, that it was quite immoral, but it wasn't really illegal. Um, you've also got social crimes. This is the complete opposite, because it is illegal, but the people don't see it as illegal and so they break it or they think that it's unjustified that kind of thing okay so heresy is the crime against the church so that's kind of another a fourth one with crime against authority property person church crime against church is heresy now secular that's having nothing to do with religion it's not being anti-theistic or anything like that anti-theist It's just, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Okay, so for example, back in the day, Christmas would be a religious holiday. But nowadays, a lot of people um, don't associate it with uh, with Christianity or any type of religion. It's a secular holiday for some people. Okay. Um, It's, yeah. Um, And then you've got the clergy relates to the the church people. Um, decriminalising something means that you're making it no longer illegal. Uh, corporal punishment, that is when there's the punishment is, like, a, like, causes harm to the person. Um, like, you know, mutilation, that kind of thing. Uh, capital punishment, or a capital crime. So capital punishment is where you're put to death. A capital crime is a crime that you can be put to death for. See, it all makes sense. Okay, um, I think that is everything on my key terms list. Okay, so how many did you know? Think about it and try and learn those because they're quite important and they will help you get bigger, better grades if you understand them. Okay, so let's go into the Anglo-Saxons and how they... um, enforced and had trials and punished the people and everything like that. Okay, so you had tithings. Now, these were a group of men and you had to join a tithing when you became age 12, if you were a man. And these were a group of men and they were kind of responsible for each other's behaviour. So if one of the group, one of the men in this group broke the law, they would be fined, at, well, taken to the court and then fined by the other members. Now, I think you'll see in Anglo-Saxon times, because 90% of Anglo-Saxons lived in small villages, this meant that there was a real 
they used their small communities to help them and aid them with the crime and punishment. Okay, so this is important to realise that the Normans kept this. Okay, so it worked very well and there was no reason to get rid of it. So yeah, they kept it in 1066. William the Conqueror kept it. Okay, then you've got Hue and Cry. Well, this was also kept. This, so Hue and Cry, if say uh, some you've just witnessed a murder or you've just witnessed, um, I don't know, somebody stealing something, you would call a Hue and Cry. Now everybody in the village would be forced to drop everything they were doing and join the hunt to catch the criminal. Now if you didn't, if you didn't join the hunt, the whole village would be fined. So it's kind of quite a community spirit, if you will. Okay, then you've got trial by local jury. Now this is where the uh, set of men, they would both, they would know both people. So they would know the accuser and the accused. And if they decide, they would listen to both sides. And if they decided that the accused was being less truthful than the accuser, then they would swear an oath of compurgation, which means that they believe that the accused is guilty. Now, if this doesn't work, or if they can't find, if they can't come to a verdict, then they might use trial by ordeal. Now, this is. This was ended in 1215 by Pope Innocent III. But before this, it was used quite a lot. So there are several types. There's a trial by hot water, trial by hot iron, trial by blessed bread. Now, blessed bread was taken by members of the clergy, so the priests. Um, and so if you choked on the bread that you were given, that meant that God was telling you or telling the people that you were guilty. If you didn't, and if you just swallowed it and ate it and had a nice dinner, then you were innocent. They believed, they were very religious um, in Anglo-Saxon England, and they believed that God would tell them whether or not the accused was guilty or innocent. So with hot iron uh, and hot water, they're very similar. Um, so for example, hot iron, you would be asked, or you would be, you would held, hold this hot iron in your hand. And then you would wrap it up in a bandage and check on it after three days. Now if it was infected, this would be God's way of telling the people that you were guilty. If it just healed normally, then this was God's way of telling the people that you were innocent. So. When you're thinking about whether the church hindered or helped justice in the, in early medieval England, or in yeah in early medieval England, it's quite obviously this is quite a superstitious um, way of doing justice. Okay, it's not very rational. We wouldn't use it nowadays. It's not reliable. Okay, so. Some guilty people might get away with what they've done. Some innocent people might be put to death, for example. So yeah, it's not a very good idea, but obviously they used it back in the day, so we have to recognize that. Okay, so then you've got Wergild or Weregild. Now this was, so William the Conqueror ended this in 1066. 
this was where so when you killed somebody before if you have a blood feud then if you kill somebody's family members they can kill a family member of yours and it's kind of like a vicious cycle really it could keep going and going so by having world guilt which was compensation for if somebody murders your family they pay you compensation for how much that person's worth and it's meant to stop there being any more violence now in theory that's quite a good idea but unfortunately it wasn't a very fair system and obviously people it meant that people were valued and they had a price put on their lives which I don't know, I don't really like that idea. So, killing a noble, you would have to pay 300 shillings. If you killed a freeman, you would have to kill, have to kill, have to pay 100 shillings. Okay, finally, there's cattle and corporal punishment. I already kind of mentioned this in the key terms, um, but yeah, basically, William the, William the Conqueror kept this as well. So he kept quite a few of the Anglo-Saxon um, ideas uh, of crime and punishment, but he did add quite a lot. Okay, so let's get on to that now. Okay, so he introduced the merger fine. Actually, I'm going to scrap that. I'm going to go on to a different one because it kind of leads into it. Okay, so you know how we talked about trial by ordeal? Well, he kept this. But he also introduced trial by combat. Okay, so this was where the accused and the accuser, they fought until one died or they just couldn't fight anymore. And this person, they believed that this was God's way of telling them that person was lying or guilty or whatever. Okay. So, yeah, that was trial by combat. You... So, William the Conqueror also built a lot of castles okay so this was during the 11th century there was a lot of castle building going on it very it changed the landscape of england quite a lot okay so a lot of anglo-saxon homes were destroyed because they had to have room to build the castles this made the anglo-saxons very angry and they fought the norman soldiers some of them now this led to the murder of fine because William the Conqueror didn't like the idea that Anglo-Saxons were killing his Normans, so he introduced a fine that if a Norman was fa- like the dead body of a Norman was found, and they didn't know who had done it, the hundred, which was an area of land basically, or like a measurement of an area of the land, everybody in that hundred would have to pay a fine. And it's similar to the World Guild, if you think about it, except that the money goes to the king. So there's no compensation to the families, it goes straight to the king. Which was quite clever, really, because it's a way of gaining funds for the government. While also having punishment. And I think it's quite... So before you had this real sense of community, Okay, the hue and cry and the tithings and everything. But now you're getting the community to kind of, you know, think, who did it? Why are we all being fined for something that this person did? Okay, so 
you have and then we've got forest laws now this was introduced in 1071 now william the conqueror made for some forests royal forests now this would mean that you'd have to pay to enter it which meant that poor people couldn't really go it was only rich people that really had access to the forests now this there are several reasons he did this to stop people using the cutting down trees and using them for fuel to stop poaching that kind of thing but it was also just to assert dominance William the Conqueror had come from Normandy and he'd killed the English people's king so they didn't like him so what did he do? did he show them respect and kindness? no he made them fear him really he led by fear Okay, so you would so you remember how we talked about social crime? Okay, that's important here because the forest lords, the people didn't like them at all, and they thought that they were unjustified and very unfair. So they broke them. Okay, so to combat this, William the Conqueror introduced these foresters, and if you were caught having, hold on, I'm just going to shut the door. And if you were caught poaching or being in the forest without having permission, you could um, be hung, you could be blinded, or and you could face castration. Okay. Um, hmm, what other things? Okay, church courts. This was introduced in the 11th century. Okay. Um, this would be so the churchmen would be tried in their own court. This, there's no death in this, which sounds great, but it was meant to be for priests. However, it kind of, even, you know, church doormen and grave diggers, they could also be in this church court and face uh, lesser sentences or less harsh punishments. So it didn't quite work as it was expected to. Okay, then you have benefit of the clergy. Now, this is, so, this would be in the church court, okay, so, you would have to read a Bible verse, okay, so, the idea behind this was that normally priests would be literate, whereas the rest of the, the normal folk, if you would, they would not be able to read or write, so, by asking them to read this Bible verse, it kind of distinguishes who is actually a member of the clergy and who's pretending. But however, this kind of backfired a bit because it became known as the neck verse because people learned it. Uh, They learned it off by heart. So, and it's called the neck verse because it gets you out of being hung, basically. Okay, so, You could also claim sanctuary in the church. So once you claim sanctuary, you have the protection of the church and not even the county sheriff can remove you. So this was, you'd be given 40 days to choose whether you wanted to stay in the country or leave the country. Will you stay or will you go now? 
Okay, so if you were to stay, you would face trial, just like anybody else. <clears throat> but if you went, you would take the next boat out of the country and go somewhere else. You've basically been banished. Okay. Um, yeah, so... In 1066, William the Conqueror introduced the feudal system. So this was basically each class owed money and service to the class above them. Only him, the king, was excluded from this. Although he was, the nobles had to pay him service, but he didn't have to pay service to anybody. He was at the top. got serfdom. Serfs can't run away from work, they can't, you know, go and try and find a better job in a different area, move. If you did run away, you'd be hunted down. Um, and he ruled these people that did run away. Um, so out, he ruled them outlaws. Okay, and outlaws and waived women, they lost the protection of the law, so this made it easier to catch them if they did anything wrong, and it just made them easier to catch them in general, because you can kill them if you want to, they, and it doesn't mean anything, you don't have to have a murder room, you don't have to have any world although that was abolished by then, no blood feuds, no nothing, you can just kill them and be done with your life, or be done with their life, more like. Um, so yeah but however it was a bit of a failure as well because the outlaws created gangs like in robin hood but worse okay so it's not like any of the giving to the poor from the rich it's bad okay so you've got the folville gang and the leader of this eustace folville had very rich friends so he this was how he avoided being captured and the Folville gang did a lot of different things. So they attacked people, they did a lot of different crimes. So yeah, that wasn't very, very good. Um, then you've, so in, uh, I'm trying to see, I've written everything kind of not in the timeline. Okay, so you've got Justice of the Air in 1166. <clears throat> so this would, this was, you, they introduced royal judges. Okay, so this strengthens the control of the legal system. Okay. Um, in the 12th century, you had sheriffs. They were volunteers. And then in 1154, Henry II set up a size of Clarendon. So this was the prison for people waiting for trial. So before they didn't have prisons or anything like that but now they have one for people who are awaiting trial they can't run away they're in the prison other things have you got um oh yes in 1215 you had the magna carta now this limited the monarch and it strengthens the influence of nobility so for example going way back in anglo-saxon england nobles were quite involved in the law and the enforcement of the law and everything like that but then they weren't when the Normans invaded but now they're becoming a lot more involved because of the Magna Carta 
And who was this signed by? This was signed by King John. Okay. Um, hmm. What else have you got? Ah, oh, yes. The Statue of, Statute of Labour in 1351. Now, this, they introduced a maximum wage. And peasants were put on pre-Black Death wages. Which is a bit... Because half the population is gone, so you would kind of expect more money because you're doing more work, but no, that's not the case. You still get the same amount of money for a lot more work. Hmm. The Justice of the Peace was in 1369. Now these people, they had magistrate duties, and they had control over small areas of land basically they met four times a year and they were known to be quite harsh on poachers and people like that because they were landowners so yeah here are oh 1351 the treason act you can be punished by hanging drawing and quartering um you in the 1300s you've got the lollards who were religious radicals who were accused of being heretics because they criticised the church, saying, the Catholic church, saying, please, can you change the Bible to English so that normal people can read it? Um, in 1414, the justice of the peace can punish heresy. In 1401, there's a new punishment for heresy which you can burn the ma- burn her- heretics at the stake. So yeah, I think that is basically most of it. Oh yeah, and I kind of I made a list of the different monarchs in medieval England because I thought it would be useful to me. So I'll just like tell you them. I'll just read it out. It's not really there's no notes or anything. It's just the set dates. Uh, in 1066 you had William the Conqueror, obviously. <clears throat> then in 1087, William died. Um, 1100, William II died. In the same year, Henry I took to the throne. Then in 1135 you had King Stephen. Then in one thousand in eleven fifty four, you had Henry the <clears throat> Second. In eleven eighty nine, you had Richard the <clears throat> First. In eleven ninety nine, you had King John. In twelve fifteen, you had the Magna Carta. In twelve sixteen, you had Henry the Third. In twelve seventy two, you had Edward. In 1307, you had Edward II, Edward III in 1327, <clears throat> Richard II in 1377, Henry IV in 1399, Henry V in 1413, Henry VI in 1422. Uh, in 1471, you had Edward IV, Edward V in 1483, and finally Henry VII in 1485. Okay, so that is everything that I've written on my note page. And
and yeah so i hope you've enjoyed listening to this or it's been helpful to you okay i'll see you again next episode goodbye